It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. Now a man is seen walking towards the officer's SUV, but the deputy's SUV investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired multiple shots while the two were parked. multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans, I rise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. As far as the allegations of the CIA hacking into the Senate computers, nothing can be could be volatile, and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. And now, here's CD Media's host of Information Operation. Welcome to Information Operation, where we break down the war the deep state is literally waging against the American people. We're not in our studio today because we're replacing a lot of the equipment, but should be back there in the next show. Today we have a very powerful guest. Matthew Termond is an investigative journalist. He is the architect behind the Bevan Cooney email release. He's been going through tens of thousands of emails for the last few weeks and uh, is exhausted, but uh, he was good enough to uh, show up with us today. Uh, welcome, Matthew. Thanks, Todd. So we were on War Room yesterday, and we went through you know, the story briefly from a 30,000-foot level. Uh, but I thought we could do, do a deeper dive for our, our viewers because it's a very important story. And it really, I think, is the foundational article on what the Biden crime family actually did, selling yeah. out the free world of the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. So with that, uh, why don't you give us an overview of your background and your, what you've been doing recently, and we'll go from there. Sure. Well, I've done a, a lot of press, so the story's kind of out there about the circuitous route that I got Bevan's emails. Uh, I had a, uh, a contact who was in the same facility as Bevan in Oregon who had reached out to me in September and said, hey, uh, he had known you know, my history working with Peter Schweitzer uh, on different uh, like Burisma and Ukraine and some other stuff. And uh, he reached out and said, I'm in, in this facility with Bevan Cooney, Hunter's, uh, Hunter's uh, ex-business partner, and he wants to share his emails. And so I spoke to Bevan a few times and we kind of built a rapport. And I could sense that, you know, he was motivated by just making transparent, making this stuff public. Uh, you know, he had one month left to go or so on his sentence. And now he's in solitary because I did Laura Ingram. Wow. And it got huge, uh, huge, uh, huge attention, huge visibility. And so they moved him the day after that. Uh, they went and he was in like a low security kind of uh relaxed as far as you know these facilities go kind of environment right, right. and they moved him to uh to solitary and you know the feds haven't picked him up yet and that kind of bothers me because he is a walking talking evidence dossier he's got so yeah. much stuff. he had a first-hand seat to watching what uh what the uh the biden crime family syndicate was up to uh you know we we did you and i worked on the story 
about uh, about China, I also worked on a story about Russian money laundering that nobody really knew about. Uh, we knew that there was this Yelena Baturino that she was in their orbit, uh, this uh, Russian mob-tied oligarch uh, who built her uh, built her oligarchy off construction. Her husband was the Moscow mayor, so you could figure out how that worked. Nice gig uh, if you can get it. Nice gig if you can get it. Uh, I mean, the, I spoke to a friend of mine who's from Moscow, and he said that it was like common knowledge that she had her office in the municipal building right down the hall from her husband, the mayor. So it would be like the mayor decides we're going to do a public works project. He goes to the Department right. of Public Works, and DPW goes over to her for uh, a no-bid contract. They, they replace those sidewalks like every two months over there. Well, yeah, there was a big stadium <laughs> uh, uh, debacle that even uh, Putin and Medvedev were pissed off at the brazenness of graft. Uh, mm -hmm. They built some big stadium outside Moscow. Uh, so we'd, we'd expose that. That's the one that Ron Johnson had highlighted that she'd given Hunter Biden a three and a half million dollar fee. And we uh, we exposed that they were trying to get her banked in the U.S., get her a J.P. Morgan account and uh, and other top banks uh, so she could invest in the U.S. And this was going on uh, while Ukraine was getting destabilized. So there's a lot of money flowing out of Russia, recognizing that there was a higher probability of sanctions coming. Uh, you know, you had the Maidan and then you had Crimea and Donbass. So right. there was a lot of uh, energy to get uh, money out of Russia and Europe if you're a Russian national, because, you know, it's funny because one of the files yeah. that uh, that we came across when she uh, when J.P. Morgan finally approved the account, which is, you know, I think they should have hearings about this. I mean, they they had to know that, uh, you know, there was violation of AML and KYC and uh, right. you know, every every, you know, spirit uh, component of the spirit of the law of money laundering was violated here because this anybody who's been in finance would know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, how often do you have to take compliance uh, right. update courses every year so that you can keep your licenses by being tested on AML, anti-money laundering, right. KYC, know your customer. So here we have this woman who is dirty as hell. Uh, tons of press, WikiLeaks, State Department cables talking about her mob ties and uh, and JP Morgan. These guys got her a JP Morgan account. And even though JP Morgan was cautious, they still did it. Uh, you know, uh, Hunter Biden at the top of this uh, this partnership uh, made for political implications. And this was during Obama's second term. It was 20, late sure. 2015, early 2014. So they, they did it. And Skadden Arps was there. Uh, they signed the documents in Skadden Arps, New York headquarters in Times Square. So, I wow. mean, that's, uh, you know, you had a lot of complicity with the global elite on violating, you know, at least spirit of law, if not letter of law. Yeah. Uh, so we exposed that. And then, you know, some of the Chinese stuff, the CCP stuff, you know, this is, I think, the the largest worry uh, over the Biden activity compromising uh, American interests, foreign policy mm -hmm. and national security interests, mm -hmm. is the level they were in bed with businesses in the CCP, which you and I know, you know, state-owned enterprises and even non-state-owned enterprises, you know, major conglomerates, Huawei, H&A, right, right. they, uh, they're all controlled by the CCP. The CCP and the Chinese system is one of state capitalism. Right. So it's not a competitive free market. It's a politicized crony market. You know, there's some competitive forces in place, which has allowed the Chinese economy to grow so much, but it's by and large a top-down controlled system. Sure. And uh, you know, they uh, we, we put forward in, in our piece uh, some of the marketing materials uh, and they had some slides and, and some decks, uh, one on marketing Sinopec shares. Sinopec is the, the massive oil and gas energy player uh, for for China after Sinuk. So there's, you know, a couple of big ones in Sinopec, yeah. the second one after Sinuk. Right. Uh, 
and they were marketing shares in Sinopec Marketing, which was a subsidiary that owned the consumer businesses, the gas stations and the convenience stores. And so they were marketing shares in that. But let's be honest, they didn't really need the capital. They've got the largest reserves in the world. People's Bank of China's got a trillion dollars in reserves, at least. Right, right. Uh, you've got huge, you've got a positive uh, balance of trade for China. They're, they're running a surplus on their balance of trade. So, I mean, they don't really need Western investor capital. But they're, they were motivated by expanding their network into the West. And, you know, what we talked about in our piece where we compared it mm -hmm. to Huawei. Huawei mm -hmm. is, quote unquote, a non-state actor, but it's totally subsidized by the CCP so that in the telco uh, 5G network build out arms race, Huawei can win. Thankfully, Trump has actually done a lot to kibosh that uh, over the last couple of years and convinced other allies that they should not be going with a Huawei network build out, uh, even though it is competitive in terms of its innovation and it's ultra competitive in terms of its pricing. And that is for a very simple reason. The CCP is subsidizing it. They're subsidizing the innovation and they're they're subsidizing the cost where they can deliver the products and services much cheaper because Chinese CCP wanted a backdoor into the intel of every Western nation. And the best way to do that is to build out the 5G network so they could build in those backdoors so they can actually so listen. They, so they, they get investors, say, from the UK and they develop these relationships and then they work that to turn that into more, uh, I guess, you know, hardware, actual implementation. Or, yeah, or yeah, yeah, no, they, yeah. They, they wanted to, uh, they wanted to make sure to get into the U S the UK, Poland, uh, Ireland, uh, France, mm -hmm. Germany. And, you know, some of these countries are open to doing business with them. Uh, and those countries are ones that are losing sort of the political culture war in defending the West. You know, the right. French and the Germans, whether it's Nord Stream 2 or Huawei, and doing business with Chinese One Belt, One Road across Europe and the New Silk Road, uh, they're willing to, for economic uh, interests, get in bed with the Chinese. But then countries that have always historically been defenders of Western civilization, like the UK, like the US, like Poland, they're more reticent now that, you know, it's been exposed what the motivations for, you know, being so quote yeah. unquote competitive are. Uh, so, you know, we, we talked about this in our piece and we, uh, we demonstrated the Sinopec, uh, you know, who was on the board of this thing or an advisor who was in their global network. And it was a, a crony boondoggle. I mean, like the names of guys, you got Whitey Bulger's nephew, the uh, famous Boston mobster who's a private equity guy in Boston. He's also the son of the, uh, the head of the Massachusetts state Senate, uh, uh, William Bulger, who's, uh, who's been, uh, was a Massachusetts institution politically for 30 or 40 years, and uh, also a little bit of a shade ball, as you would expect from somebody who dominated a Democrat state's uh, uh, state capital for so long. Right, um, right. Uh, so you had Bulger, you had Jason Sugarman, who all you have to do is Google this guy. He has had more uh, more issues and sanctions uh, and criminal, uh, criminal indictments uh, for all sorts of things, including uh, uh, this Bank of California deal with Jason Galanis. There was this bank in California where they actually talked about getting uh, Yelena Baterina an account as well uh, that had so many problems. Sugarman's uh, younger brother was the CEO, and they were using the bank uh, for their own uh, sort of projects without mm -hmm. you know board approval or without going through real processes, just kind of yeah. using it as, as their own little pet pet project bank. Uh, mm -hmm. So the board actually rebelled and there had been all sorts of investigations. Uh, mm. uh, you have a Soros fund manager there, a guy named Sohn. You've got uh, Devin Archer, who claims to be an independent director of the Kazakh Sovereign Wealth Fund, which as we can imagine, and we talked about in our piece, you know, nothing good come, goes on in Kazakhstan. It's been run by a strong man for 30 plus years, right. Bayev, who uh, quote unquote retired last year, but he's still running it. So. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. They did yeah. move to the Latin alphabet and they were trying to make it a 
financial hub. But that, yeah, well, because Exxon, I think like 20 years ago when Exxon Mobil and some of the major integrated oils came in uh, to do uh, exploration and then uh, extraction. Uh, Astana, uh, the uh, the capital was really really growing, and Almaty was sort of like the finance center, and so mm -hmm. they did actually work pretty well to to move Kazakhstan up the uh, economic chain. Uh, but you know, without a free market and a free system, there's only so much you can go, and it's been uh, it's been a pretty uh, pretty controlled dynamic there, and that's why it's you know it's in Putin's orbit, and not in sort of Western uh, a Western milieu. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what, do you, what do you have going on next? Are you working on anything else? Oh, of course. Uh, look, it was 27,000 emails and mm -hmm. uh, each email, each string had, you know, a bunch of emails. So really it's uh, over six figures worth of emails. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I, I want to do more in this Bank of California. Uh, I want to do more on uh, what they were doing in Kazakhstan and uh, mm -hmm. in other places. We're fighting other countries, but we just didn't have, I mean, I got access to these emails in the beginning of October. And so basically right. had a month. Uh, are really two weeks to put together the constellation of story and then run them out and then get some attention on them. And of course, you know, there's hit pieces being written about me. I'm a Russian agent and blah, blah, blah. It's so cartoonish, the level of what the mainstream press is willing to do, jump over uh, itself and, and, and bend over backwards to not cover a huge news story, uh, to yeah, blame sure. everybody else and say, you know, uh, there's nothing to see here. And then obfuscate and coerce uh, people's impressions of the story and watching on social media, you know, my friends uh, pages and strings where they share stuff. And then their their lefty friends uh, say, no, no, it's a Russian disinformation campaign. You're being treasonous for sharing it. I mean, these people are insane. Yeah. Do you think uh, there's going to be change in the media once the elections, once Trump is reelected? No. I think we're just going to continue to see a trend we've seen, which is them mm -hmm. having less and less economic viability and potency and mm -hmm. following. I mean, I always quote the, uh, I think it was an old Pew study that every year they used to do uh, institutional trust. You know, which institutions in American society uh, do you trust? And the yeah. media would usually come in dead last at 10, 11 percent. You know, Congress would come in at 16 percent. Yeah. So, you know, Congress, their entire reason for being is under trust, you know, to pander and lie to get votes. But more Americans trust those lying, pandering politicians <laughs> than the mainstream press. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I, think it's pretty, I think it's pretty telling. Yeah. That, uh, that the press has very, very little credibility, that most people do get their real informational news from alternative sources, social media, mm -hmm. and a million different sites. It's very competitive. Creative destruction mm -hmm. media being a great example. It's gaining traction because it does real journalism. I mean, I can't yeah. tell you how many messages I got. I'm not even like really a journalist. I, I ended up becoming one uh, by virtue of, of just having yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I got involved in public policy. I became a little bit of an editorialist, a bit of a speaker and a commentator. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, a little bit more visibility and a little bit more uh, networking capacity. And I ended up, you know, with Bevan Cooney's emails and right. writing right. stories. And so I'm an investigative journalist now. Uh, the, the establishment doesn't like that, though. They don't. Oh, no. The establishment okay. media doesn't like, you know, these these uh, deplorables coming into their. No. Here at all. Look, and I have worked with an investigative journalism outfit with Project Veritas. You know, I'm on the board mm -hmm. of Project Veritas, James O'Keefe's undercover journalism. That's real investigative journalism. I mean, that's yeah. muckraker type stuff yeah. from like the turn of the 20th century. So, I mean, it's, you know, Nellie Bly and Ida Tarbo and Jacob Reese and Upton Sinclair, Lincoln Steffens. I mean, the great journalists, and they were, you know, 1880s in the post industrial uh, age and Gilded Age, where there was obviously an abuse by uh, capital of labor. And there was incredible overreaches in this sort of new phase of our development. Mm 
And so we had these journalists come in and they uh, really investigate stuff mm -hmm. and they wrote books and they wrote articles and they made people see, you know, the tenements, the work, uh, working conditions for, uh, for the lowest, lowest class on the rung, um, mm -hmm. the meatpacking in Upton Sinclair in Chicago and, and the, the food, uh, food hygiene and, and preparation, all sorts of, you know, incredible muckraking. And then there was no muckraking for the better part of the last hundred years. And then O'Keefe, does sort of muckraking, real undercover journalism to expose stuff, and the establishment hates him. We've got a wall of shame uh, where we uh, we make journalists print retractions every time they say something demonstrably false, like we edit videos out of sequence, or it's fake, or you know, we did a uh, we did a Minnesota uh, investigation. Elhan Omar's uh, family and staff and high-ranking staff in the district office were running a voter fraud ring, and the entire me media, mainstream press literally ran an interference that was so shameful. They said, no, no, nothing to see. It was all fake. We had we had the criminal miscreants admitting what they were doing. It was illegal. And we had it on video, their own videos. And the mainstream <laughs> press says, no, no, nothing to see here. Uh, one uh, one outlet said that James O'Keefe bribed uh, these uh, poor people to uh, to act out what voter fraud would look like. Another That's one said when we, uh, when we showed up, uh, money exchanging hands for a ballot. Oh, no, no, no. That was money that was going to a sick kid in Somalia. But Americans get it. They see it. They know when they're being lied to. It's like when my father would uh, talk about his uh, his life in uh, in Poland uh, during communist times. And he said that, you know, the Soviets would say that it was a banner crop yield. All the Pravdas would uh, be running out how great the uh, Soviet system is. Agricultural output is uh, historic highs. But everybody was starving. Everybody was <laughs> hungry as hell. Like, do you believe Pravda? Do you believe your, you know, rumbling stomach? And this is the same yeah. thing with the mainstream press today. Like people, they know not to believe their uh, lying eyes, so to speak, uh, when the press tells them something. It's incredible. You know, uh, interesting uh, statistic, you know, the Bolsheviks literally destroyed Russia as the uh, food basket for Europe 100 years yeah. ago. And just yeah, in Ukraine was the bread basket. Yeah. And just in 2018, they got back to the same agricultural output level as they did in, in 1918, which I find wow, awesome. that's yeah. incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what about Hunter's second laptop? Do you know anything about that? Have you heard any? I mean, I've heard. I mean, I know that the uh, the laptop that Rudy and Steve have is uh, is credible. The the emails mm -hmm. they they are highly corroborative with Tony Bobulinski's uh, uh, yeah. statements and uh, data that he's put forward, as well as ours. Uh, you know, the Bevan Cooney stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's definitely real. So when the media says no, no, it's a Russian disinfo op, it's all made up. I mean, and looking at the sheep who really run with that line, despite overwhelming evidence uh, to the contrary, it's pretty incredible. Uh, and I'm sure there's more stuff coming. Uh, the question is, you know, I think Trump wins a landslide on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like, I don't even think we have to worry about, you know, uh, the the states being stolen in the two weeks after. I think a lot of states are going to be mandated that they have to do the count within 24 hours. But even some of those Dem states have gotten uh, court uh, court dispositions. Right. That, North like Carolina, Pennsylvania, others. Yeah. North Carolina, Pennsylvania, I think Michigan, or I think Minnesota and Wisconsin were denied. So, uh, so you but, think the margin will be so big that the, the yeah. Late, late votes won't matter. Yeah, I, I think he wins a popular vote by at least 10 points, like a 55-45 kind of thing. And uh, hmm. electoral votes, I mean, I could see a spread as high as 280, 270 yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, 300 to, uh, uh, you know, 350 to, to 190 or something like this. Wow. Um, you know, well, so cool. or even higher. I mean, I, I really think that uh, in addition to the swing states, which he'll clean up in, like Arizona, Nevada, uh, and uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Uh, I think there are states no one's talking about that are you know totally going to go his way. New Mexico, Oregon, Virginia, 
Uh, I even think uh, Minnesota, I think even New Jersey and Connecticut are uh, going to be super close that he might, he might win them. And even mm. New York is going to be only a few points spread where usually it's, you know, 20 points. Hawaii is going to be super tight. Yeah. Uh, he's a pretty popular president because he's not the political class. And so the political class will wring their hands over all this and, and bleat and cry and scream and shriek. But most Americans are really, really happy with the, the job he's done. And even the stylistic points that he loses, he wouldn't be able to have the staying power he does if he wasn't that aggressive on a modern day P.T. Barnum. So completely agree. So final question, what do you think uh, the alternative media or whatever you want to call it? How should we handle growing uh, market share against this, you know, the cabal of the corporate yeah. corrupt establishment uh, media? Good reporting. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you've done amazing work. I mean, your stuff on Ukraine with the original transcripts and tapes of uh, Poroshenko and Shokin and all the people that in that uh, theater of the absurd, uh, you've done an amazing job. Uh, and you know what? It, it, the proof's in the pudding. The New York Post takes it all the time, too often yeah. uncredited. That's but, true. That's true. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you're, you're, you're growing in stature. I know Steve and I talked about uh, uh, CD Media, and he's pretty impressed. And I think uh, I think it's, you know, one of the, the alternative players. You know, Breitbart's kind of mediocre now. Uh, it was good when Steve was running it mm -hmm. uh, or when Andrew was running it. It was an aggressive uh, information uh, distribution mm -hmm. mechanism. It set the narrative, not just re it not just reacted, but it was proactive as opposed yeah. to just reactive. They're very uh, cautious now, I think. They're yeah, it's, 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 it's a different, different animal now. I guess everything grows so much that the institution yeah. drift toward institutionalized practice uh, yeah. changes, uh, you know, the guerrilla outfit mindset uh, mm -hmm. that a place that an upstart might have. But there are great upstarts, you know, you guys, Revolver. Uh, mm -hmm. There's all sorts of uh, places that are coming with good information and they're gaining share and they're starting from a low base. So it's not that hard to gain share, which is good. Uh, so, I think, you know, you guys are in a good position. Well, thank you for your time. Hopefully we can have you back on after the election and uh, yeah, talk, be great. talk more about your next project. Okie doke. Uh, thanks, right. Todd. Talk to you thanks, soon. Matthew. Take care. Cheers.